Welcome to Sea Time, everybody, the off-road show that brings you all the results, news, and online shenanigans that make being online a good time. We'd like to say thank you to Fly Racing for their support of Sea Time. Please go check them out at flyracing.com. Welcome to Sea Time, everybody, episode 110. So 110 for those of you who uh, like to figure out math and make it sound more like letters or words. However, you like to grammatically put your uh, thoughts into the verbal language. I personally myself like to do it when I'm not freezing in Ice Mageddon, which is what we have had here in Dallas slash McKinney slash North Texas. Before we get into that, though, and the other parts of this great show that we're having here for you this Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Central, this is Seat Time. So for those who have no idea what Seat Time is, Seat Time is the online show for the off-road enthusiast. We like to sit down, enjoy a pint full of awesome, and beer drink and bench race our route through all the fun stuff that's been going on in the world of off-road dirt bikes. Um, in that case, so you guys are like, man, that's cool. Seat time sounds like a lot of fun. It is. We sit down for about an hour, goof off with people in the industry, and uh, try to, to keep up with those in the chat room. If Bolton comes on, we're probably going to be screwed, though. That guy will take anybody's wind or, uh, yeah, wind from their sails for sure. So seat time. Uh, brought to us by three fantastic partners. Uh, Fly Racing is one of those guys. Uh, they have a cool new product that I just saw on the site today, which we're going to talk to talk about a little bit. Um, of course, Power Sport Graphics. You can find them at RidePG.com. And uh, this evening's episode is Fast Company. Uh, the Flex Handlebars and, of course, the Adjustable Spork, uh, Spork Spoke Torque Wrench. So all kinds of fun stuff coming from those guys. Of course, we thank them for their support. We appreciate it if you would go check them out at their respective social places. I guess their their internet home, if you will. And uh, I guess they call it websites, but that just sounds so 2002, whatever. And uh, shut up, Mark. Your internet's not sucking. And of course, it's just a little bit of house cleaning. As you can find us all over the place. We're on all the social bits. Just search for Seat Time. You're going to find us. One of the things that I would love it is if you do enjoy anything that you hear here, please go check out seattime.bigcartel.com. We do have our new quote shirts up there for purchase. Um, at this point in time, all that money does go to us. It supports us. It's for Seat Time. Um, it, it takes it costs money to do this, and so we hope that you guys uh, understand that and can help us out with some of it. So yes, please go do that. For this evening's episode, we have two fantastic gentlemen that are, in their own respective ways, helping the world of off-road. One of them is Mr. Zach Huberty of Innovation Off-Road, which you can find at innovationoffroad.com. And our second guest, which will be on a little bit later, is going to be Wiley Watson of Red Tide Pictures, who just recently, they just recently released Off-Road Essentials, a brand new how-to off-road DVD uh, to make us lame-ass riders ride just a little bit less at suck, I guess is a good way to put it. So, yeah, I mean, hey, let's do this. So, Mr. Zach Huberty, as they like to say in the biz, how is your evening going, kind sir? Uh, it's going well. It's uh, freezing here and it's windy, so I'm just hoping the, the power doesn't go out during this interview. <laughs> Well, if it does, since you've brought up freezing and uh, winter weather, I can talk about that for a long-ass time. Because us here in the Dallas, uh, the North Texas area, we got all kinds of crazy-ass uh, like ice, two, three inches of ice, and it's still out there. It's, it's ridiculous. It was like Thursday night of last week, and right now, I mean, it's better, but still, it's kind of retarded. I don't know how us Texans are going to live through you know much of this apocalypse that's coming soon. Yeah, I mean it's it's fairly expected here um, where we live, and snows 
you know, something that happens, it snows almost daily, so uh, I'm used to it, but at the same time, it gets uh, pretty old when it gets dark at 5 o'clock every day and it doesn't get above 35 degrees, so. Uh, yeah, that sounds crappy. <laughs> <That's> the... <laughs> Do you guys ride in that weather? What's the setup um, there? Personally, I don't. Um, we really don't have enough snow in our area, especially once the ground gets frozen, to be able to ride like through the winter. I know up north, um, if they have like three to six inches of snow, they can put studs on, and that helps a lot. Uh, but at the same time, I'm kind of always happy once it hits winter because I get to kind of take a break, refresh, and you know get ready for the next season. That's okay. I understand. That's uh, that's that's what you should do. You should take a break. And no, taking a break is nice. Um, it was tough when I had my shoulder surgery to be gone, you know, from the scene for that long. You, you come back, everybody's like, "Man, where you been?" And it's like, you don't feel like you have disappeared, but when you're just not there and you're not there for six months, everybody's kind of like, "Holy crap!" It, you don't don't realize how used to seeing people's faces you are. But uh, it is good to step away a little bit and just kind of recharge the batteries in a whole new whole new direction. But uh. One of the re- we've had you on bef- the show before. Great opinions. I always like getting your thoughts on the different subjects that we're talking about, and as well, you bring up a lot of good subjects uh, for us to talk about. One of the things that you've done recently is you started uh, a new website. Um, I, I want to call it an off-road media news website, but innovationoffroad.com is the URL. Give us your synopsis. What is this uh, this love child of yours that you have created? I mean, basically, it all started with. A passion for the sport and I'm somebody that reads multiple news outlets every day it doesn't even have to be you know off-road it can be motocross um, and I listen to podcasts every week and you know I was really looking for a platform for the Northeast uh, primarily we have two uh, main media what media sites out here which are print and there isn't one that's focused right now for the Northeast on just online. So I was hoping to do that. And um, on top of that, I really want to start highlighting youth racing and women's racing. So for next year, one thing that I'll personally be working on is getting a lot more coverage for the youth racing in the Northeast and then the women's racing as well. I see a lot of benefit to it. And um, it really all started at a at a neighbor's, or at a, not a neighbor's, but at a friend's house, I was there riding with their son who's 12 years old and has already accumulated, I think it's like 14 championships. And already at 12, this kid's as fast as me. And I mean, I'm not, I'm not super fast, but you know, I've been around for a while and I've raced A and I'm qualifying for double A. And when it came to him overalling the local races, nobody would post the results. He even talked to a, an online website about, you know, posting a result for his kids' results. And the person said, you know, when he's in the main event and making the top 10, I'll be glad to post it. But currently right now, you know, I'm not really interested in the youth segment and really got my mind going. And, you know, that's how this came all came about. Nice. Well, um, we, we've done a lot of chatting in the past as we've talked about having you on the show before. Even before there was really the show, I was just doing interviews a little bit more. You and I just kind of always shot the shit. You know, I think we kind of we just kind of look at the industry a little bit different because of the fact that we 
aren't your typical media people. We didn't come into this industry looking for a media job. We just kind of created it. Um, and through that, we like to talk about all the weird stuff in the weird ways that not a lot of other people want to discuss it. Um, so I kind of wanted to know in that respect, what do you, how do you plan to, to kind of hold yourself as a media component, um, you know, with, with innovation off-road? Uh, sorry, can you repeat that last little part? It cut out. For yeah, me. no, like, so as a media component, how do you kind of like want to hold yourself? How do, how do you want innovation off-road to be seen as a new component into the industry? Oh, uh, I mean, I've gotten that question before and it, it's really hard to say. And I think one of the things I'm trying to do, I mean, we're, we're not even tomorrow is two months of, um, of the site being live and I'm really kind of, you know, being the owner, I'm able to pick and choose, you know, what kind of stuff I want to write about right now. And I'm still trying to find out, you know, what do people really want to hear, which as a racer, you know, I've been able to, to understand that. But at the same time, I got to see, you know, what works within the industry. Um, but, you know, regionally lately, we've been to three regional races and the amount of views and like the amount of support behind just the regional racing has been huge. And, you know, I appreciate those people that have supported along the way for, you know, that kind of information. Um, so I, I really want to stay regional for next year. And, you know, within the industry, I also hope that we can kind of create a platform for discussion. I'm big on discussion. I like to hear other people's opinions, like to hear other people's stories. Um, so I think you'll notice, you know, throughout the site, I'm always eager to hear what somebody else has to say or an input or, you know, a short story they like to share. Right. We did have a, a question from one of the Kudlas there in the chat room. Is, is I know you just said for 2014, it sounds like you're probably going to stay a little bit more regional, but maybe with a focus on just checking out more national series and seeing where you can grow when it comes to maybe some of the youth and the women's events and series that you were talking about. So, are there any kind of series that you have your, your eyes already set on that you want to watch for 2014 to kind of start to maybe gain some momentum there? Yeah, I mean, uh, for the Northeast, our main focus is going to be J-Day, NEOC, which is um, the Northeast Off-Road Association, um, and Northeast Off-Road Championship Association. Right. Um, and then we have the East Coast Endora Association, which is where – like Andrew DeLong, uh, Jesse Groem, and, you know, the Lafferty's. That's where they've kind of grown up. Right. So for local series, that's what I'll cover. And then I'll also be traveling to all the national Enduros. Hey! Um, yeah. I guess I'll see you in March then, huh? Yep, exactly. So I'm really looking forward to that, and I've kind of always – like traveling but i don't get the opportunity to travel with you know just the regional stuff you know it's only a three or four hour drive so i'm really looking forward to kind of exploring different parts of the united states and you know having those kind of ex experiences right and at the same time being able to look at say the women's class in the national door and providing some media coverage for those well uh of course, we could always use CETA correspondence at those events, so we might wind up getting you a on-the-go package with a nice little, uh, little, little Wi-Fi, a little MiFi, one of those little hotspots, and, mm -hmm. uh, and a camera. And uh, the good thing is, is I've got new technology coming out, and it automatically puts a mustache on whoever's behind the camera. 
So you don't ever have to feel like, you know, you're missing your anchorman, you know, regime or however it is. You know, we can, bam, that, that's, that's what we want to do. We always want to provide awesome by getting things mustached. Yeah, and I, and I actually won't be, as of right now, I probably won't be racing the National Enduro, so I'll be purely there to cover from a media aspect. Uh, it's something that I'm going to have to kind of give up on the racing side for the national scene. But at the same time, I'm still going to race the local uh, indoors that we have here. But, you know, I really want to focus on providing media coverage and providing it well for the national indoors. Right. Well, cool. I can tell you from lots and lots of experience of not taking, not racing seriously, you get out of shape really quick. (laughs) 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 I go out and, you know, oh, I'm not really... I'm racing tomorrow, but I'm not really racing. I'm more on the bike, and I go when they say go. Uh, Saturday nights get really adventurous, and uh, sometimes you wind up upside down under a four-wheeler with half a bottle of Jack spilled on you. Uh, sometimes you yell stuff at people across the camp, and you have to apologize the next morning. I'm just saying. I mean, it, it's a slippery slope, and uh, it's it's one of those lines that I don't think you should slightly cross with just a tippy-toe that you need to be a full-body jump over. And just dive into that that little arena that I live in. Yeah, and the main reason with like National Doors, I thought of racing them, but I'll miss so much from like row twenty one up to you know, it could be row forty five for the pros. And even if I'm within that, you know, mix, I'm focusing on, you know, getting through the trail, not providing, you know, coverage or a story. So uh I think that's one of those things you need to you know, either be all in or don't do it at all at yeah. that kind of event. I've tried to find a way to take what I do, which I find that I'm just kind of your, your, you know, your your average Joe who decide, who has the gift of gab, uh, and I, I'm not afraid to, to speak in front of a camera. I love to find a way to be able to bring the fact that I like to go to all these races and be in front of the pros and hang out with them and try to mix it up. I'll get in the 20s. I don't care. I know how to get out of their way really quick. That's fine. But then like bring in some of the media type stuff that I do, like, you know, maybe at some of the rest stops and stuff like that, or like right post race and everything. I don't know. We'll figure it out, right? Yeah, and you know, I th- I think it'll be a big like testing thing for me. You know, I'll kind of figure out after the first couple rounds what's the best way to do it. You know, and if it gets to the point where I can ride a couple events, I'll be glad to. But uh. Early on, it's going to be kind of like a trial and error type thing. Well, the good thing is, is you've only got one race to screw up, which is the first round. And then the second <laughs> round, I'll be there. So, you know, we could totally create as much chaos as needed. Yeah, luckily, yeah. If, uh, if I have any big trouble, I can uh, depend on you on the second round. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, I'll be like, oh, my gosh, guys, it was such a good course. There were rocks and trees and guys were riding. Mmm. <laughs> best reporter out there <laughs> i like it yeah. so innovation off-road i think there's going to be some cool stuff i'm looking forward to it uh if nothing else uh i think it's going to be a kind of a neat new place to go check out when you're kind of like hey what's going on today you know there's lots lots of neat new places like you're talking about going to websites checking out the blogs and see what people are saying i'm looking forward to doing that for 2014 for sure so what got you to where you are, though? Like, I would imagine that you did not just wake up one day and go innovation off-road. Like, because you do things with the site that I would imagine you have probably gained experience in other, maybe working with other sites or doing other, you know, things within the biz 
So tell us about all that. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, when, you know, it really started a long time ago when I first started racing, um, you know, I, I developed this passion for the sport and it, it continued to grow and luckily with social media, you know, I'm able to kind of read more and see more and, you know, you can you can spend hours on the computer just, you know, looking at YouTube videos or reading different tech tips or um, different industry news and I've kind of been on been one of those people that you know when it comes to like say the local weather here like I'm, I love always being on top of it oh we're gonna get like three to six inches of snow today you know I kind of always like that reporter aspect um, and regionally uh, about three years ago there was an ad posted on our local like racing organization saying that they needed a writer for Trail Rider magazine and it was one of those jobs that, you know, everybody loves to ride, but it's very hard for someone after that ride to concisely put together a race report and photos that then can go in the magazine, you know, without having the, the editor have to, like, spend hours, you know, trying to, to fix it and fix the grammar and just, like, making sure that when I send it to him, it's pretty much ready for print. Um, and early on, I was probably awful at it. I'll have to go back and like look at some articles that I wrote early on. Um, but slowly, you know, over the last couple of years, I've really enjoyed doing that. And I like the online side. I like being able to see, you know, the results or a race report like within hours after a race. Yeah. I'm always and searching an immediate for... response. I like that as well about the Internet. Yeah. And with print, like there's always a place for print and I like it a lot. It's just. I've always wanted to be on that online side. Um, so I also, you know, have done some other online work. I did uh, wrote for Off Road Viking, and I enjoyed that a lot. And, you know, it kind of came to the point where I'm graduating in six months, and it was really a time for me, you know, within the last couple of months, you know, really trying to think, you know, what am I going to do? And I've reached out to different media outlets, like, within like the big magazine companies and it's hard to get a job you know they're not just actively hiring and I don't have the proper contacts to be able to say you know you know can I get a position here yeah. and, hey it's and my it be, time let me in the door <laughs> yeah and it'd be like full time and a salary and all that um, so I figured I'd kinda you know try this out and it's not just like just not just trying it out you know I really want it to work and be successful but at the same time, I know, you know, I'm new to this and it's going to take a little while for me to, you know, get as far as everybody else is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's pretty much, you know, how it came about. And I love social media. I love, you know, offer of news. And I'm just hoping to share the passion with everybody else. That's awesome. No, that's that's actually really good <laughs> to hear because I'm the same way. I everybody's like oh you're such a goofball blah 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 and i just really enjoy this more than anything else um you know we try to find a way to make it support itself but at the same time it's just fun so i really dig it and hopefully we can keep doing it uh i wanted to know as someone who does read all the blogs and check out all the new hot products and such what would be your best christmas gift for an off-road racer hmm <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I mean, huh. 
I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of biased right now, you know, and this isn't just purely like me being biased, but um, recently Fly sent over some new uh, winter gloves, and, you know, I've got to say they're probably some of the best gloves, you know, I've worn, and, and I haven't really gotten to try them riding. I've been just, you know, mountain biking or when I go outside, you know, with all the snow we've had, and um, I'd say the Fly Racing title glove is probably, you know, one of those gifts I'd recommend. Yeah, um, I, it's, it's interesting because mine should be here tomorrow night. I'm excited about those coming in. And it's funny, we didn't set that up. We have been talking about the title glove a lot um, because of the fact that Fly is such an awesome sponsor, um, and it's winter. Um, and I found out about a whole other product that they're pushing. That's a winter product that just came out that we could talk about in a little bit. Um, but no, I think that that's a great product because even in places like this, you know, I needed glo- I don't have an automatic start for my car, so my heater's not on. I needed gloves to get in there. So if you got a good pair of gloves that work, you know, multi-fashion like that, um, that's the way to do it. So you're gonna give the title gloves, huh? Yeah, I mean, I haven't been uh, I really haven't been on the lookout really for you know the next uh, big Christmas gift. I've kind of been thinking about it in between, you know, classes today and, you know, walking from different parts of the campus, you know, like what would be the best Christmas gift. And, you know, right da- right now, those title gloves are definitely it. Dig it. I saw the um, the thing from K- KTM from their hard parts collection. It's the beer bottle opener. Yeah. I was just like, OMG, how do I get one of those and not have to pay a KTM hard parts price? Because, whoa. Well, when I saw it, the first thing I thought is like, well, why didn't I think of this? You know, <laughs> like, how many beers have I opened with those damn things without a grip on it? That's all they did was put a KTM grip on it and bam. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, it's it's an ingenious idea, and you know, I'm really surprised it's taken that long, you know, to get out in the market. Yeah, there's been beer bottle opener parts in the mountain bike world for for years. Well, um, it's interesting, um. So, before I kind of wanted to ask a little bit about with the fact that you being a racer, you know, how, what do you feel that that kind of brings different for you coming to the media scene opposed to maybe someone that didn't race as much that maybe just followed the sport um, and, and was enthusiastic about it? Um, you know, at the regional level, I think a big advantage is that, you know, through racing, other racers, you know, start to maybe give you a little respect. And um, at the Endoros, typically I, I line up with a double-A rider. And, you know, through doing that, I've got to gotten to meet many other double-A riders. So, you know, everybody kind of becomes a friend. And, you know, if you want to write about somebody, it's not hard to approach them after that type of thing. Um, and then the other thing is when it comes to, like, the tech side or trying to explain how the trail was or how a bike reacted on the trail, I'm able to kind of use words that other riders are going to understand. And, and when they, when they read that sentence or, you know, hear a review about something, they're going to kind of understand, you know, the same point of view that I'm coming from. Yeah. Good. That's a good answer. I like that. It's funny. People in the chat room are talking about different gifts that they would give. And they were, some of them were, uh, GNCC DVDs from 05 uh, and then uh, we've got oh so it's all kinds of fun stuff I do like the one though as the gears turn um, which is uh, one of the early early red tie picture films I believe 
Um, and I, it's actually on sale right now on their website. Um, so we're going to have Wiley Watson on a little bit later. Hopefully he'll be able to talk to us about that and uh, let us know where people could get that. Yeah, and, and even like the Offered Essentials, um, I actually was meaning to download that last night and watch it before the show tonight. But, you know, from the previews I've seen and little clips, I mean, it looks like an awesome video. So that's another one to put on the list. Yeah, for sure. I'm looking forward to talking to him about that, getting a little bit more behind the scenes from him on kind of the creation of that because guys like Rory Sullivan are just so hilarious um, you know and then uh, and Colton Haker and stuff like that like I think it's going to be really funny to, to be able to hear a little bit more of like concepting and how things came about and all the, the, the goofs and stuff if you will um, so I wanted to see what you thought about this it, so as I was saying I was looking around at the Fly Racing website and I was like oh I'm going to go look for the gloves so I can bring it up and talk, up, talk about the title gloves and uh I just so happened, for whatever reason, clicked on jerseys. So if you go to the Fly Racing website and you go to Moto and then Jersey, the one at the very top is not what I was expecting. It's the windproof technical jersey. And I was like, no, they didn't. I was like, hmm. they did it. Holy shit. Now, I remember buying my first windproof jersey probably back in like 06 for road riding. Um, and it's just for those. It starts on those really, really cold days where it's really not that like obtrusely cold where you need a lot of layers or a lot of long sleeve but the wind is so abrasive that it, you need something more than just cotton to protect your chest and to keep it warm and that's essentially what this is but it's long sleeve and as well it has it in the arms so it's built for those days where you might just want to have like a light windbreaker on but this way you don't have to worry about having that jacket on and we're like unzipping it opening vents and stuff You've got an actual windproof jersey, and it's actually vented in the back so that you can, you know, you can actually breathe. It's a breathable windproof jersey, and I thought this was, I thought it was phenomenal. I was extremely uh, happy to see this, and, I, and then I immediately emailed Dale, and I was like, what the hell? Why didn't you tell me this was here? <laughs> I would have put it in my order last week so that it could have been here this week, and I could have ridden in it this weekend, damn it, and I haven't heard back from him yet, so, but yeah, I mean... Have you seen or heard of like a windproof jersey in the dirt bike world? Um, not particularly, and at the same time, I really haven't searched much on like winter gear because most times I'm really not riding from like late December to February. I'm usually not on the bike, so it's it's not that big of an issue. But it's funny that you mentioned that when I was trying out those those title gloves, I kept noticing, you know even though I was wearing a jacket, my sleeves kept on like creeping up and I was like, wow, like my arms are getting cold. Like, you know, I'm not gonna be able to mountain bike for, for that long without being freezing. And, you know, at that same time, like, well, why doesn't fly have, you know, that gear. And every time I think fly doesn't have something, I go to their site and normally it's there. <laughs> so, uh, I think that's pretty cool. And I'll def definitely have to check that out. Yeah. I mean, it's a little pricey in this instance that they're, an, you know, their prices seem to be pretty fair. Like they're definitely a middle of the line. They're not super high end like a like a climb would be. Like climb would be, you know, they have hundred dollar jerseys, just kind of their baseline. And this one, it looks like it's about sitting in about seventy five dollars. Um, but for what you're getting out of this, I think that's fantastic. Um, so I mean, because you would buy, you would spend, you would probably spend that to get a windproof jersey if it was a sleeveless windproof jersey, bicycle wise. So I think that's a really good price for it. So definitely go check it out. Um, we thank Fly for their support of Seat Time. They've been a supporter of Seat Time the entire time that we've been doing this. 
you can find more about them at flyracing.com. Again, what I was saying, flyracing.com, you can go to Moto, hover over it, buy them. Jerseys, first one at the top, windproof technical. Go check it out. It's at least worth um, a look and a, uh, like a look, a look, what is it? A look and a learn. Because that way, I, I think it's a, a cool new product for our industry that I haven't really seen before. Um, a neat way to get rid of the jacket. So, possibly, as long as it's, you know, not 19 degrees like it is right now in Texas. Because that shit's ridiculous. Retarded. Well, dude, uh, tell us again. Give us all your uh, your social bits so that people know where to find you when they're looking for you in the future. Um, well, for Innovation Off-Road, you can find us on Facebook. And I believe it's just facebook.com uh, backwards slash innovation off-road. Then on Twitter, it's IO underscore media. And the main reason it's that is that Facebook actually lets, only lets you have a name that's so long. So I didn't think ahead, and I guess innovation off-road is too long for their their title name. Right. <laughs> so that's why it's that. And then uh, Instagram is just at innovation off-road. That's easy. I like it. I like it. I, yeah. follow, I follow you guys everywhere. Um, but before we end, one thing I wanted to mention was that I definitely like to give out one of our new shirts tonight. Woo-hoo! Cool. And How do you want to do all, that? Well, while I was on my drive home, I thought of a good trivia question. And so I don't, I'm not sure. This is for, like, people that are fairly, like, news savvy and, you know, Read, read a good bit of media throughout the week. So I wanted to ask, at the, the KTM unveil last week, what was the newest product that was released on the Dungey replica? This doesn't have to be live, does it? Can this be something that they could tweet to you? Uh, they, they can tweet it to C-Time or, uh, you know, or IO underscore media. All right, well, let's see what they come up with. We'll give the chat room a little bit to catch up since we're on a little bit of a lag. So what's the newest feature to come up on the Dungey... Huh. Replica bike. The Dungey replica bike. And and it's something subtle, actually, that I don't think received a lot of press, but it's going to be... It's going to be something that's going to change a good bit. So I don't know. I, I find it interesting. Oh, Ryan Kudla says the MX-52. Yep. Bam! <laughs> Ryan Kudla gets himself an Innovation Off-Road t-shirt. Tell, what's so, your, what, uh, what's his size? Just... Ryan, tell us your size. I don't know. He's like, I'm a small because I'm a little white boy with red hair. Ow. Yeah, so, I mean, if he just wants to shoot me a message, I'll get that mailed out either tomorrow or Thursday. And uh, you'll definitely have that soon. That's awesome, dude. Well, we really appreciate you, one, being on the show, um, and two, going ahead and uh, giving away some product on this show. That's always fun for everybody involved, uh, so we really appreciate that as well. So your last tip for us, it's coming down to the end of the year. It's our second-to-last show. We've got one more next week. We're going to have some interesting guests on, and then after the fact, we're going to uh, we're gonna do something even more fun that will be posted later in the year. So what do you think? Any tips? Tip? Any tips, tricks, or toddlers i don't know i don't think there's a third one uh not really i mean i guess just enjoy a pint full of awesome i guess that's probably one of the only tips i could say (laughs) bam that's it i think we're gonna do it well dude thanks again for being on the show and uh as always you and i will talk
we'll probably talk on a daily basis. So. All right. Thank you, and I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Take it easy. All right. Cool. As I said, it's always fun having Zach on the show. He brings a lot, a lot of research to it, and he's also uh, he just really loves the short sport, and he has a lot of passion for it. So I like having him on the show, and it's cool that he wanted to give away a, uh, a shirt. I think that's fantastic. And what's even better is that Ryan Kudla on the West Coast was the winner of that show uh, shirt. So with that, he's going to start getting some West Coast representation. Um, so as we kind of get Wiley called in, I wanted to talk a little bit. It's funny that Ryan Kudla got it. I was thinking, I was like, man, what was it? What was it that they released? And that MX-52 actually looks like it's going to be a pretty interesting tire. I like how they call it, um, what is it, the nubbin inside the nubbin? They call it something fun. But, I mean, what they did is they just had one big knob, knob inside of a knob maybe. They just had one big knob and then cut some bit out of it, and then all of a sudden it's like this knob within a knob. Um, I think that's going to work great. I think that's even going to work better off-road than it's going to work uh, for Supercross and for motocross. So, I don't know. I think it's going to be fun. I think it's going to be cool. The bikes look sick, of course, as they always do. Um, with a white on there on those new uh, dunge- on the new, what is it, the new factory uh, KTM bikes. Looking awesome, as always. Other kinds of fun stuff that we have to talk about as we try to figure this stuff out. So, of course, uh, can you just call them? Like, does it just let you call them? Or does it just go to phone? If I had a number. Yeah. Never, never anything else awesome. Well... This is what you do. This is what happens when you deal with you Southern California guys. Just like flighty, flighty as all get out. Probably thought we were talking about uh, West Coast time, you know, as uh, as they always do. It's Pacific time or no time, whatever. Well, uh, let's bring it to the chat room. Let's do this. All right. Well, we figure it out, and the chat room catches up. I kind of wanted to know what you guys thought about some of the new products that are coming out. Got some of the new teams. Tedesco is going to be on a KTM taking the place of Millsaps. I think that's interesting. Uh, we kind of had like an unofficial announcement of the Husqvarna team. So we're going to have Argabright uh, on a Husky. We're going to have Andrew DeLong on a Husky. Russell Bobbitt on a Husky. And on uh, and then Mike Brown. And Mike Brown may be freaking doing some GNCCs. Who knows? I mean, it's going to be all over the place. So I think it's going to be really cool. And why do you think you think it's interesting that they switched the 4CS forks on the factory bike too? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. All right, we're trying to call. Nope. Nothing. Nothing. Um, 4CS forks are sweet. Are you serious, Bolton? Come on, man. I don't know. Um, looking at the Huskies, uh, they've talked about the fact that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh. Yeah, do it. Just do it. Whatever. Bring him in. We're going to call Zach back just because of the fact that, obviously, um, we were trying to get Wiley on, but I don't know if timing got messed up or whatnot, but Zach and I always have fun stuff to talk about. So, Zach, are you back? Yeah. I hope you had a good pee break. Did you have a good pee break? Oh, no. I was just actually going into the chat room. (laughs) Oh, well, that's okay. You can just keep talking with us here. So, um... 
we had quite an interesting discussion of that, that kind of spawned off of a article um, from some different mountain bike products and things like that, which just got us onto all kinds of different subjects within the industry while I, while I was driving home from work today. So of some of those subjects, is there anyone particular that you would like to talk about and like to discuss? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I thought you had a good, I don't know if you want to explain about the, the mountain bike forks and just give a background of that. And then we can kind of talk about some, uh, some products that are like it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So what, kind of caught my eye is uh, I've been watching the development of the new suspension company in the mountain bike world specifically they're making World Cup production downhill forks um, it's called DVO so it's development suspension um, they're offshoot guys from the old Marzocchi um, before they kind of got taken over and kind of quality went downhill all that stuff so they've been in production with this downhill fork and uh, I'm sorry in development well those forks finally went into production um, and they were discussing a lot of the stuff that they had to go through to get those forks into production, a lot of the, the R&D that they did beforehand, and all the stuff that they wanted to create to not only create a better fork, but a fork that's uh, better for the rider and more easier for the rider themselves to actually update. Um, so there's a lot of new technology that they're trying to bring in the sense that a shim stack is a shim stack. People are going to they're going to layer up their shims different for different dampening when it comes to your forks and your shocks. But to have it actually be extremely easily accessible for any rider, not any mechanic, but any rider to actually go in and adjust their shim stacks and their dampening and really have the ability to test um, and develop their own settings is something completely new. Like in the mountain bike world and even so in the dirt bike world, that's a big no-no. Like people, you just because of the fact that it's such a alien world, um, in this is like people just don't get it. They're they're gonna turn things wrong. They don't understand that you actually have to do correct Newton meters and things like that to make it right. Um, so I was like, dude, why don't people like why don't people in the dirt bike industry do this? Like why, you know, they're selling these twenty two hundred dollar aftermarket forks. Now obviously these are top level forks, guys that either want to be national level downhill mountain bike racers or you know these are going to be bought by factory world cup downhill racing teams um but i don't know why that product itself doesn't exist in the dirt bike world so we had all kinds of questions like uh, back and forth between ourselves well is it because the mountain bike industry is bigger is it because people spend money different in the mountain bike world or are there just more mountain bikers um do people you know, because somebody just spent nine grand on a dirt bike, do they just not think that another two grand on some special aftermarket product is worth it? Is it in the budget? Is it, you know, what's the big the big hiccup? And so that's kind of where a lot of this came from. Um, so we had a lot of discussion about aftermarket products and in the dirt bike industry um, and, and and how people, you know, why we don't have, I guess, bigger products like that in the aftermarket industry. So I guess that's kind of where it stemmed from. So out of all that, is there anything that piques your interest, Zach, that you just wanted to dive into? Yeah, I mean, I think there's, you know, a couple different ways you could look at it. And the first thing you, first thing I did when you sent me that article was, after I read it, I tried to think, you know, what's something else I could compare this to? And um, the closest thing I could think of 
was either like factory um, WP like cone valve forks, mm -hmm. or you have like the Olin's, uh, I think it's the TTX forks, which are considered, you know, top of the line upgrades that um, somebody could put on their bike. And I guess one of the things I could see, you know, for it not having like a big market is the fact that very few of us push these production bikes to the point where we need that you know that accessory and that that accessory is going to help us i think for most of us um and even myself the the bike that comes from the factory is so good and the components are so good that we really don't need it um it's not to say that the mountain bike world you know isn't the same way i mean it could be that way too but um you know and then the other the other side to think is that like with the factory cone valve forks not many people can get their hands on them i know i've seen like a few on ebay and you know they sell within an hour and i think even uh you have to ask bolton but i think they have some of those at uh ride pg as well and normally it's reserved to to the factory guys or to a top guy hmm. yeah um i think it's interesting because I just had my suspension done for the first time, like my suspension done. Um, and, and for the amount of money that you pay for that, um, so I think, what was it, Stillwell Performance. If you go to Stillwell Performance and do top-of-the-line, uh, their top-of-the-line package, essentially, you're shipping off your stuff, so you're paying for shipping, about $1,200 retail, um, and then you're paying to ship it back. So, you know, call it 1300 bucks because it's probably 50 bucks each way to ship it. Um, now, we're talking – now, this is obviously – we're trying to relate a mountain bike product to a dirt bike product. So that doesn't relate in the, in the grand scheme of things. Uh, the technology would have to be different, and, of course, the product would have to be different. But so that this aftermarket fork for the DVO Emerald Fork is 2200 bucks. I don't know. Call it 3200 bucks to 35 maybe four grand. So I mean that's a that would be a huge difference, but it's it, I, I definitely know people in the mountain bike industry that have paid a thousand dollars sending off their top of the line suspension, and having it you know revalved, reshimmed, a lot more tinkering goes on, uh, a lot more private parts, <laughs> in the sense that you know parts that people have you know one offed for to try to get these parts much more specific and tuned for the way that riders ride. Um, so do we overthink it is a better question too. Like, I mean, is, is, is I, I've noticed a huge improvement over having this, this worked on, on my suspension. Um, but I've also never had this amount of suspension work done before. So, I mean, is there a point that we can overthink buying all these after, or I would say, let's just keep it suspension, you know, buying all these aftermarket suspension products and doing all the tuning. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I really think that a lot of products out there serve, you know, an important purpose and can definitely help us on the track. And I'm not sure if we're overthinking it, but the other thing I tried to relate was like the size of the market. And I'm really not sure, you know, how big the off-road market is itself. That's kind of like a hard number to, to put on the industry. But, you know, from everything I've seen from the media to the videos, the mountain bike, you know, world is a lot bigger. And I think something like those forks, they probably have a lot more people interested in them and a larger volume. So those, you know, those forks 
are probably going to sell. And I think in that article they said they're trying to sell like a hundred a month. Yeah, um, yeah, they're produce their production numbers. They wanted to produce three hundred a month. Um, now, what their sales number for that month? I don't know what that was, but yeah, they wanted to produce three hundred a month. And they said, sure, they could push it and do more, but they don't want to because they they know that three hundred is where their quality control is at its best, and they don't want to, you know, bump above that. Yeah, and I, I think his other main point was that they're kind of afraid that if they all of a sudden build a thousand of these and then they're sitting there, you know, in a warehouse, that's a lot of overhead. Um, and I know that's a lot of companies concern these days is, you know, you, you don't want to have too much sitting around. You want to make sure that you have a sale for, you know, every product that you produce, you know, it's best to have that sale before you even produce it. Yeah. Well, I guess, so, uh, you know, it, it's interesting because I, I'm enjoying the fact that this is actually creating a lot of chatter in the chat room. And, and I unfortunately can't read all of it, but the little bits I'm reading are awesome. Um, and so one of the things that uh, Eric made, or that Ryan mentioned has got me thinking about the different level of tiered equipment. Okay. Absolutely. Like I could go get any kind of – so if I – again, we're on a mountain bike now. Yeah, I've got a frame, and I buy this frame. It has all Dior components. And then from there I go to XT – and it's still the same frame, and I get whatever new fork or new whatever new shock. And then again, I could upgrade all the XTR. So I just kept the same frame, maybe upgraded all the components. And I guess you could kind of do that on a dirt bike. But say, let's say I wanted a, a newer brake. I wanted a better brake. I wanted a lighter, better brake. Um, there really is, is there a marketplace for that? Like, one, does the product exist? So I already feel on my KTM that I have the best brakes out there. Those Brembo brakes are just phenomenal, and they seem to keep getting better. The 2014s are supposed to be even better than the 2013s. But is there a way to make that brake better? Is there, you know what I mean? Is there that knowledge out there? And then if there is, is it really worth it in our industry to do that, to say, to come out as a company that sells just you know, better braking systems so that people want to come out and buy your caliper or your master cylinder um, or your hoses or whatever your product be, say, in the braking system. Is that a possibility, Zach? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. And when you're just talking about that brake thing, the first thing I was thinking, like, well, they have, like, oversized rotors for, like, the front wheel or, you know, in the rear you know, you may get some kind of master cylinder that helps cool the braking system, you know, better. I definitely think there are riders out there that are looking for those types of components. But at the same time, kind of going back to that theory that I'm not sure a lot of people push their bikes to the extent that they that these products become like a necessity and that there's this like huge demand. Um, that's not to say that if someone does, you know, make, this brake system that's so much better than the Brembo that we won't buy it. It's just, I'm not really sure, you know, unless you're like some supercross rider that really needs front brake on a supercross track, then you most likely won't need to upgrade. So, but, and then why is it that in the, and this is all just a good speculative, you know, this isn't my, my complete train of thought. This isn't the way that I, I view the industry, but why is it that say, you know, the mountain bike industry, you could go out and buy a frame and you could buy all these components from different people and put them together because there's all these specs. There's all these, you know, all these different specs that people follow on, you know, how to build their components. You know, 
why is it that in the dirt bike world we're essentially buying not that i have a problem with it again but why is it that we're buying this full product and not ever thinking about what we want from the ground up that's a that's a really tough question and you know i think i think i was reading the chat room and Eric, you know kudo is kind of getting at the the point that you know it's really hard like say say i want a different frame it's really hard to get a different frame made or like have a different frame available and then how many how long are you going to spend to change out that frame and if you don't like that frame at the end of that you know how long is it going to take to get back to it so i think one of the one of the things like in the off-road industry is they kind of try to make parts you know easily accessible that you can change out like if i'm going to try a different rotor i'm you know it could take me 15 minutes to take off a wheel you know put new rotor on and you know do something like that it's probably take a lot less than that um and then i think the other the other thing is that the parts are so intricate on these dirt bikes that say i want to change the mid valve of a fork i i personally can't do that so i'm spend you know i'm gonna have two days in shipping to a suspension person they're gonna fix it and then it's gonna take two days back um whereas maybe someone in like someone in the mountain bike industry they want to change something else maybe they can do it themselves i'm i'm not i'm not too uh too keen on you know how, how everything works in the mountain bike industry but i'm just trying to relate it to to the off-road and motocross side yeah well um so where do you think what do you think would be the next new kind of product the next new thing for dirt bikes it could be more super crossy more motocrossy more off-roady you know in, in this spectrum of, of aftermarket world parts and you know trying to make dirt bikes better faster and lighter you know is there anything that you've heard about or seen or just that you think could be turned into like the next big thing um i'm really not sure and i think you know one thing in the motocross industry, and this is just like a personal observation, is that unless a product is like fully developed and ready to be launched, we normally don't hear about it. I know like seeing the tech industry, you get all these like sneak peeks all the time of these like prototype products that, you know, could come onto the market. Um, so I'm really not sure what the next big thing is. I know I've read quite a bit about that, uh, that Crypt, uh, moto mid valve thing that you can actually adjust from like the bottom of the fork. Yep. I think that's pretty sweet because there's, they have like a slow motion video and they change the mid valve in there and actually show on a camera, you know, how much dampening you can, you know, change just by, you know, a, a quick turn on each, you know, fork leg. Um, I'm not sure if that's going to be the next big thing, but, you know, it's certainly something interesting that, for someone like me that's maybe not very experienced with suspension, it's an easy fix and you can easily see how it works in, you know, in in a specific terrain. Yeah. Huh. I think it's I think it's uh, interesting too. I we did have uh, uh, Adam Kreft on the show and it was really interesting to talk to him about his uh his adjustable mid valve um and what it can do and i was like do you think that this is going to wind up being something that's going to come production and he's like no i don't really think it would be and i don't know if that's because technically then they would have to 
either a find a way around his patent or two license his patent um which i don't think they would want to do but uh I, I don't know maybe there's always a way for the aftermarket world to kind of live on and keep going i did notice as well uh i tried the tubeless system when it first came out um the two tubes tubeless system and uh it was the most ridiculous setup ever in the sense that i i sure i might be an idiot whatever it is I had the toughest time ever getting those things to seat. Um, I talked to a lot of other people that had to go through the process three to four times to get it, and then others that every single time they did it, it went perfect. Um, be it how much they dinged up their rims, be it I don't know what tires they were running, whatever the differences were. But I did notice that they just came out with 2.0, um, and, and it says that they fixed a lot of those kind of problems. And I think something like that, that system could be a big feature because... It's, it costs less than bibs, and, even, and it may be, I don't know if it's going to wind up being as difficult to set up as bibs, but what I do know is at least with bibs, as long as you learn the process, it's actually quite simple. You just have to realize it's not a tube. There's a different process to put it in. You just have to learn that process. So have you seen anything about that new tubeless system coming out? Um, I haven't, and I guess one of the things I want to ask you is the tubeless, if like a metal stake goes through the tire does it then lose air so so what like yeah so the what the the road bike tire that's in the that keeps the bead on so now yeah. as yes if a spike were to go through the actual the the actual tire casing yeah that part that you're keeping at 8 to 10 psi would be flat but as long as it doesn't pierce all the way through which is a very thick coating uh, protective layer into the road bike tire the thinner tire you would actually your bead would definitely stay on um, huh. so you would have still you would have so say you were running 8 psi in your outer tire um, and you got something went through it so you go from 8 to 0 you know best case yeah. scenario your inner tire stays inflated and it stays on you're still going to have way more traction than you would if you were just running a rim lock yeah and you know, I, I really like those types of product that, you know, are definitely trying to advance the industry. And, you know, I think even bibs can be improved at some point, you know, just for longevity. And I know bibs aren't very good in the desert, especially like heat. Heat is their biggest enemy. Um, but going back to that tubeless thing, I've also heard that some of the different tires that are manufactured these days are becoming like some of them are more porous than others. So actually you could put 14 pounds in the outer ring and because because of how porous they are they actually will like drop down to 12 pounds you know within a couple of days um i was reading in some i think it's some ktm talk forums where they've actually seen that and i think they actually like put a tire in water and could see like the bubbles coming through yeah um i'm not sure how true that is but at the same time, it's you know something that I'd seen while while I was reading through the internet. <laughs> yeah. Um. So uh, Ryan was asking in the chat room why are tubeless on mountain biker mountain bikes so much more popular than they are or would be in dirt bikes? If that same and I have to add, if that same exact system existed, it doesn't for um, dirt bikes. Now I know that Chad Reed at one point was testing a tubeless setup. Um, and it apparently was supposed to be like a true tubeless setup. Biggest reason I know for a fact in the dirt bike world is they haven't figured out the actual bead situation yet. So we're still going off an extremely antiquated bead setup to where 
your rim has a certain setup to accept a certain type of bead, which is those standards that I was talking about when it comes to a lot of the mountain bike parts that are built. They all build them to a certain standard that somebody finally gets enough money to lobby and to everybody to decide on that this is the one to use. Although we don't have that bead system in the dirt bike community as well, I wonder on a mountain bike, I can get on and off uh, a tire. Uh, I haven't tried on a 29er because I don't own a 29er. I've ridden quite a few, but I haven't tried on a 29er. But on a 26 mountain bike tubeless, I can get it on and off without any tools. Um, you just kind of, you know, like you would with bibs. You got to know how to work the rubber. Um, and you could do it. Um, but could I do that with a dirt bike? Absolutely not. So if we had a new bead system set up, how much damage could I possibly do to it when I'm trying to get it set with the damn tire irons and that th rubber being so thick? I don't know. Um, it would have to be one hell of an interesting bead system. But that's why they're trying this whole tubeless setup the way they're doing it is because our bead system sucks and we burp tires all the time. We just don't know we're burping it because of the fact that we've got a tube. So. Yeah. And I mean, the other thing that I was just thinking is, you know, in the mountain bike world, do they have like a foam insert that you could ever put in a, a tire? Or For mountain just, biking? Yeah. No, that's, that yeah, that's like, heavy? that's super old school. Like, yeah, I mean, tubeless tires have been around easy for 15 years, if not, I would say about 15 years, like where it's been, you could pretty much trust it. Stans has been kicking butt, man. When that dude came up with that system, like people were using a system like Slime, um, which was good. It worked. But stands is like once that guy came up with whatever chemistry set, you know, cocaine binge he went on. I'd be making a lot of money. Yeah, I don't, and I. We apparently are losing people left and right. Well, we're going to get Zach Huberty back on. But as we do that, I wanted to say thank you very much to another one of our fun supporters. It's been an interesting episode, and I very much appreciate everybody in the chat room doing what they're doing because it helps us uh, keep going. So thank you very much to PowerSport Graphics. Uh, for those of you who do not know, they are RidePG.com. And we do have a discount code with them, and it is seat time. So S-E-A-T-T-I-M-E -T -T -E is the discount code that you could use. If you were to go to their website, or you can call them, uh, so graphics, stickers, any kind of random bits of awesome that you think that you might want to stick somewhere. Um, what's even better is they do artwork as well. They do custom artwork. So if you're thinking, oh my gosh, you know, I would like to do a photo shoot with this cool bike, but this cool bike doesn't have cool graphics. I need cooler graphics. Well, you can call them up, tell them your thoughts, and for a price, of course, but hey, that's the way it works. They can have their artist work up a custom kit for you, and uh, you could use the seat time discount code, and bam! You save yourself some money while doing it. Um, so they definitely have options. They have well, they have the ready to ship option, uh, which can save you up to forty percent. All kinds of fun stuff. Same day shipping. My gosh, people are just give, giving me hell in the chat room. What is the deal here? Oh my, you people suck. But they are a fantastic supporter of Seat Time. They have been helping us out a lot. For those of you that see me out at the races, the Seat Time 300XC that I ride around on, all the graphics were designed and done by them. Um, they may not look like they were applied that well, and that was my own fault because sometimes I just suck at life. Hey, it happens, you know. I try the whole spray some water and give a little shivvy shake, whatever, with the sponge or whatever. But, hey, you know, I screw things up too. But they do a great job supporting us, so I would love it if you would go support them. Remember, website is ridepg.com. Please use the discount code SEATTIME. Thank you much for your support. 
You're right, Kudla. Chemistry is cool. Um, so we lost you there for a second. Were you about to say something? I thought you were. Who, me? Yeah. Oh, the other guy on Skype. <laughs> um, yeah, I forget my exact train of thought. Um, yeah, just move on. I'm, I blanked. <laughs> Next. All right, well, we had lots of other discussions in the car. Were there any other ones that came up that you would like us to talk about here? Um, hmm. Not, well, not that I recall offhand. I mean, other than or what? What about women's racers? We got Casey Martinez, essentially maybe getting their spot or did get the spot of retired Maria Forsberg on the KTM team for next year. So she will be yeah. racing the GNCCs. Yeah, that's great news. Um, actually, I think that was that announced last week where they announced the lineup, and I think you know initial speculation was that you know they thought that. You know, she would kind of be where Maria was, I think it was like two years ago, where she was like on the tent at the end of the factory rig, you know, getting help from factory, um, the, from the factory, but also kind of running her own deal. Yep. And, you know, it's nice to see that they kept that spot open at KTM and that, you know, Casey's able to kind of follow, you know, in her footsteps and, you know, Casey's talented and, I think she got the overall this year at the last GNCC, so it should be a good year. Yeah, I think it's going to be fun. Uh, and then we've got Taylor Robert joining the KTM squad. Um, I the only the only negative thing, only negative thing. I'm not going to lie. The 33 in the different KTM font that they used on his bike just didn't look as good. Just didn't look as good in all the pictures that I saw. It was like way too narrow and kind of goofy looking. I don't know. That's a I mean, I thought thing. it looked fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, you're dumb. <laughs> no, but I, you know, the biggest um, thing I took away from that press release was the three-year contracts. And you know, I, I kind of understand where KTM's coming from. You know, they've really got these great riders, and they want to keep them around for. You know, they want to have them through their you know peak of racing. But at the same time, I kind of find it risky and, you know, for the guys that are trying to come up, you know, from the XC2 class and try to get a ride on, you know, in the KTM rig, you know, when you know that there's a three-year contract there, there isn't, there isn't going to be much room for, you know, a young guy to come up and fill a spot. Yeah, and I wonder how many of those are full-on three-year contracts because when Stuart Baylor signed his, it was brought to everyone's attention as a three-year contract. But what it really was was a two-year contract with – stipulations that he had to do so good to actually get to earn that third year of the contract so are these kind of set up in that same way i don't know and the only reason Stuart baylor's you know he's on his second year now of the full factory deal so he's got to he's got to turn it on if he wants to have it for that third year uh if they're sticking to what he was saying when he was on the show last yeah and from what i understand like with factory contracts there's all kinds of like different rules and you know regulations and that if you don't you know if you don't maybe perform so well or you know if, if you don't follow certain obligations that there's like different loopholes that you know essentially kind of you know provide a safe spot for KTM so that if something does completely go wrong and not you know in the favor that they're kind of able to get out of them I'm not sure how true that is that's just a a conversation I had with another 
uh, local double A rider recently. Yeah. Well, uh, obviously we're coming up to that point where it's been about an hour in the show. I don't want to totally cut it off. So what I was going to do before we talk one more, I want to talk a little bit about the Husky uh, foul up, if you will, from Moose Racing. <laughs> Um, but I want to give it to the chat room really quick that uh, if you guys have anything, uh, be it Bolton's balls or, uh, you know, Kudla's kitties that you want us to talk about, uh, now's your time to bring it up and we'll, uh, we'll wrap up with what you guys want us to talk about. But, okay, so I, I don't really know what happened, but Moose Racing apparently posted the Husqvarna lineup for next year. I, did they not know that they weren't supposed to or was it just a complete foul-up? I know you saw the post. I never even actually saw the post that everybody was talking about. Um, it was kind of odd, and I think it was either Ryan or Eric Kula that actually I think brought it to attention, like on on my you know side of Facebook. And you know when I saw that pop up, I was like, no way! Like the from everything I've heard, you know, the announcement is supposed to be the 19th, and KTM is usually really good about or not KTM, but you know. KTM headquarters and yeah. now it's going to be Husqvarna headquarters. They're really careful about information they give out and what their riders can say. And, you know, I was really shocked when I read that. And, you know, I'm really not sure they even meant to post that. Um, they may have, you know, that may be one of their news sections where when it comes time, they just like share that to all their social media out- outlets and then people read it. Um, and they may have just posted it there on their site, not really thinking that people were going to be like checking in there. I'm not sure, you know, how even Ryan or Eric found out about it. Yeah. And definitely, you know, I, in, in talking to, obviously when that happened, I like got on the horn and I was like, called all four of those guys. And I was like, tell me about this. I was like, I knew, you know, cause it was all, cause everything, everybody's always be like, it's 99%. It's 99%. It's 99%. And the PR comes out. It's 100%. Well, yeah, no shit. <laughs> it's like, okay. So, and they were like, uh, I don't really know what happened. The press release wasn't supposed to come out to the 19th. Like, that's what everybody, you know. So, apparently, yes, all four of those people did, you know, do have those contracts. It's just like, and it was known, it was knowledged that the finalized press release was scheduled for the 19th. And, hey, that didn't happen. <laughs> Yeah, I think I've also heard that a lot of contracts expire. I don't know if it's that day or the day before. Um, so, like, legally, you know, when they release that, you know, they need to make sure that all of those riders that are on the team, like, all their contracts are expired so that they don't end up in any, like, legal battle. Yeah, I don't like legal battles. I've been, <laughs> I've been in a couple. <laughs> all my ex-wives and all my children's not really those don't exist that would suck if they did oh my god that would be awkward for everybody nobody really wants too many more of me's running around little kids but I guess we're gonna have another one aren't we damn it yeah. oh my gosh what, what was your uh, what was your thought on uh, Jacob Argubright coming on the team? I'm really excited for him. I called him and told him. I was like, hey, you know, I was like, is this official? And he's like, well, it's, you know, well, 99%, 99%. Okay, good, 99%, whatever. And I was like, dude, I'm really excited for you because I I, I want to see what he can do with factory backing. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be really cool to see um, what that kind of commitment from a team uh, to him can bring to his program. Um, he's definitely showed shown 
a lot of a lot of potential. Um, he's won a lot of hare and hounds, or not a lot, but he's won a lot of, won a lot of races, won a couple of hare and hounds, performed really really well. I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. I don't know what else is, is going to be on his program. Um, if he's going to be doing enduro cross as well with them, or if he's going to be doing uh, you know any kind of like best in the desert on top of the hare and hound stuff. But I'm excited. What do you think? I mean, I, I think it's great. Um, in the last. I don't know, two years, I think I've followed him a little more closely. And, you know, it's been amazing to see, you know, his progression, especially this year when I think um, it was one of the really rocky technical rounds that they raced that he was able to win. And, you know, right there, I was just, you know, able to see his determination and speed. And um, I was kind of really shocked that Husqvarna is putting an effort into Heron Hound. You know, I really only thought that it would be like a GNCC National Enduro and Enduro Cross. Um, but I'm, I'm really glad that they were able to pick him up and work something out. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see, I think, him and Ramirez battle, you know, KTM versus Husqvarna next year in the, in the Heron Hound. Hell yeah. I'm excited as well. All right. So we did actually get a really good question from Mr. Ryan Kudla in the chat room. I love it because the Kudla is bringing the best, man. Do you think, and I'm going to ask you this, see what you have to say, and I will, uh, I will bring in the heat if I feel it's needed, which it probably won't be. You're going to cover it fine. Do you think riders are treated like a commodity when they get on a factory ride? Not only in off-road, but in motocross as well. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I really don't. like. I, I don't have a good answer for that. I mean... And I'm not sure quite like what he's getting at as far as the commodity point, but you know, I really think when riders, you know, go to a factory team, it brings them, you know, it makes them that much more valuable to other teams. Um, and any riders that that has already had experience on at the factory level, you know, it kind of, you know, increases the value of their resume for another team. Um, and then at the same time, for other companies that want to get involved with that team, you know, if you say you have, you know, let's say Andrew DeLong, you know, in the Northeast, he's really popular. So a lot of brands from the Northeast may want to get involved with that team. Um, but I'm not, I'm not quite sure if I answered that, you know, to what Ryan was getting at. Yeah. Um, do I think riders are treated like a commodity when they get on a factory ride? Um, I I do think that there is an absolute expectation that when you kind of you know move up, if you will, in kind of the the realm or the ranks, and you move to a factory ride, that you need to realize what your company wants you to have and to be. Holy shit! What's up, dude? dude? I, I got all screwed up on the time zones. My bad. I'm so sorry. Hey, yeah, no worries. That did work, did it? No. Are you getting our video? I, I, I totally forgot there was mountain time. I thought. Uh oh. Man, this is just this is oh, just totally I'm awesome. To, like combine y'all together now. Uh, uh, hold on. Steven's trying to push too many buttons at once, and it's yeah. freaking out his brain. All right, Dan. <laughs> He's like, I want to join these together. I know I could do it. Let me push the right yeah. buttons. Yeah, it, it should work here. Oh. 
<laughs> All right, Steven. Well, you keep having fun over there pushing buttons. We're just going to have to pick one, I think, at some point. Well, he called in. We got it. It looks awesome. Uh, Zach, we love you. Thank you for filling in when Wiley was uh, trying to figure out the time zone issues. And uh, we're going to get back to him. And thank you for all of your awesome input and being such a saving grace. No problem. Uh, you know, I appreciate any time that I can, you know, come join on the show and, you know, talk about, you know, stuff that I'm passionate about. So I appreciate it. Dig it, dude. Well, take it easy. Have a good night and jump in the chat room. All right, thanks. <laughs> Later, dude. Later. <laughs> All right, you there, Wiley? I'm here. All right, well, let's rock with this. Man, you've got a wicked-ass West Coast haircut going on right now. <laughs> That's what Toby Price was going for, but they had fortunately Americanized the crap out of it when uh, he was in Vegas. <laughs> no good for anybody. So, what have you been doing, man? Apparently, you know, you don't know that there's Arizona in between California and no, Texas. I, uh, totally. I don't know what the heck was going on there. But, and I left my phone. Uh, I try to keep my phone away from me, like, so I don't have it on me all the time, all day, like everyone does these days. So, I left my phone in my car. And then I was like, I was like, oh, I should start getting ready for this interview. And then I was like, picked up my phone. And I was like, oh, shit. So I, here, I should I like, really oh. get ready for it. <laughs> well, cool. Well, uh, we'll try not to take up the typical 30 minutes that we kind of get in there for just because of the fact that, you know, we, we like to have about an hour long show, but we still want to do your due diligence. So absolutely off-road essentials is a great, great movie. Um, it, I have had a lot of fun watching it. Um, I, I do. I am still watching it multiple times because i do want to do due diligence in the sense of try to give it an official review make sure i don't just you know watch it once and go with initial reactions but first initial reaction is it's awesome um i really like the concept um and so great job but tell us about where the idea came from and and why you kind of went about doing it the way that you did uh and your take on it um well originally you know, we've been doing kind of like action-based films or starting with As the Gears Turn and and then What If and then What Is. And I've been working on with Taylor Cogden on all the Moto series, movies. And um, I was actually just kind of burnt on doing just action stuff. And uh, I wanted some dialogue and I wanted some something with a little more character and something with a little more interest for... Um, you know, an outside viewer, <clears throat> and um, I've been wanting to do an instructional, kind of, I really like the Nathan Woods one, um, I wanted to do some things that were different than the Nathan Woods one, but I'd actually talked to Kurt Caselli, uh, you know, like a year ago, talking with him about it, and he was like, yeah, let's do it, let's do it, and we, anyways, our schedules didn't really line up, and he was getting super busy with all this stuff, and I was like, you know... I'm just going to do one and see how the format's going to work because there's so many different ways you could do it. You could do it like how to race a jeans to see or how to race works or how to race ball or how to race hair and hound. Or you could do like how to corner, how to start, how to, you know, there's so many different things, how to work on a bike, how to train right. Um, so I just kind of wanted to start with the basics, some easy things that 
the writer and I could do. And we just went with terrain. <clears throat> so, um, Enduro Cross, kind of the end thing right now. I really wanted to do that. And, you know, probably not everybody knows how to do a flip turn or is not going to know how to do a rock corner. And I wasn't going to take it step, step by step by step by step to yeah. do a rock corner because it's just, it would take too long, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, I tried to give some <clears throat> basic information um, from, you know, some of the top guys and what they do. And, you know, it's really funny. We mic'd, I think the coolest thing of the video is how we mic people up. And I've never seen anybody do that. And, uh, and while they're talking, while they're writing, I don't know if people have caught on to that, but. Oh, that, that is one of my written down questions. Yes. Is, is what I want to know because that has been the behind the scenes talk of all my little writing videos is I want to mic myself for that kind of shit. So. It's funny that you did it before me, bastard. <laughs> Which is okay. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm trying to think of how we even started doing that. I think I just had an idea and and uh, I was like, "Hey, let's try Ryan mic'd up." And then there, I like hooked it to the right below the the helmet, like or where I do an interview, and it sounded good. I was like, "Shit, we could do this. Like, this is this is cool. Like, I wanna I wanna do this." So, anyways, the thing was is that. When I told like Colton, the Coltons, and then Kyle and Rory, who I had working with me on, okay, you guys, you gotta talk. Tell us what you're doing while you're doing, because when you, when you're actually doing it, it comes to mind. Right. And it was funny because the th they would say what they needed to do, and they would do it. And I remember when I was shooting with Colton the first time, he's like going through the wood pile, and he's like, "Be light," and then, you know, like describing these things then you come off and he's like holy shit I'm saying exactly what I'm doing makes sense you know like he he went like five times in a row and screwed up and then when he was talking about it it was like he's telling his mind his body what to do yeah like talking out loud and he was doing it it was pretty interesting I thought that was pretty cool so you know I mean that means that the things they're saying in the film are of value and uh, you know they're worth something for people so right. That's good. I was I was wondering how many times, and it's funny you say he screwed up five times doing the woodpile or whatnot. But I was wondering, it's like I have trouble walking and chewing gum at the same time. So if I were to try to like go out and ride my dirt bike, and it, you know, and that's why I want to mic myself just to see how like jacked up it gets. Uh, and uh, I would I would totally screw that. I said, did Colton just eat it every time he tried it, or did he do pretty good? You know, he's pretty good. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, he's definitely really good. <laughs> um, but you know, like you think of riders and you think of motocross or supercross or, um, you know, GNCC or or works or Hound or Baja. And you you very you don't see guys crash that often. I mean, yeah, they crash and fall, but I mean, they're the best, so they don't make mistakes that often. But an endurocross, I mean. You know, like Taddy and Colton and Kyle and all and Cody, all those guys are Taylor and Mike and you know, everybody's really good, but I mean they make mistakes like every lap, you know? Yeah. And you can talk to any of them and there's never a race where they make ten laps without a mistake. You know, they're they're gonna they're you're gonna crash. It just kinda you gotta minimize the damage, make sure you don't go off, you know, the famous X Games pyramid <laughs> and go face first in the dirt from a ten foot drop. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and put your neck brace to good work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I think you know what advertising I'm talking about, but. Oh. Yes, sir. No, uh, it's funny because I was in Vegas and I tried to do some of the enduro cross that was out there, and that shit was technical. It was tough, and I quit and found a quick crown and coke at the bar, and uh, I enjoyed the rest of my uh, my enduro cross experience, which was from being a media person behind the camera and a fan in the stands. For so, sure. Definitely. And yeah, watching Colton there was crazy. So how how much fun was it working with Rory Sullivan? Well, you know, it's funny is because Rory's from, I'm from Hood River, Oregon. So okay. There. And um, I've been coming to Santa Barbara area. It's actually where I am right now. Um, for like, I went to City College here for like two years because I really like to surf. I enjoy being in the ocean and stuff. And, um, but I was over school and I just started, I really, you know, I was into film and I was in motorcycles and I had opportunities there. So I just really took advantage of it and, and went for that. And, um, but anyways, beyond that, so I actually have never really spent that much time with Rory and, um, really until this year. And he lives, uh, 10 minutes from me. So up there. So, um, you know, this year we started riding together a little bit and, and he's just, like a really good speaker and knows what he's talking about. Right. <laughs> this, you know, cause a lot of it is getting somebody, you know, you could have James Stewart or whatever, but I guarantee you, he's not really going to be able to describe what he's doing at all. <laughs> you know, definitely not Ryan Villapoto. I don't think he knows what he's doing. He just knows how to twist the thing on the right. Right. <laughs> and he has all them telling him or whoever's in his corner what to do. And he just is really good at doing it. But, you know, Rory is really good at describing what he's doing, and he knows what, what to do and what not to do. Um, you know, he's actually a really talented writer, too. I think he hasn't had the opportunities that some people have just because he's up in the Pacific Northwest. And, you know, kind of to be off-road, for some reason you have to be in Southern California. But to me, it's like, it's amazing how many people ride dirt bikes in Oregon and Washington. It's ridiculous. Huh. And, um, you know, I think, uh, I think working with him is really cool and, you know, I want to do more stuff with him for sure. He's, he's great to work with and, uh, he's really good, like at everything. And it's, you know, hopefully we can build a little bit of a name with him on doing this project. And, you know, he had a small segment and I think it was Moto three with Kyle and, uh, and, uh, or Cody it was with Cody Webb and Kevin Rookstall. Yeah. And um, I was working with him on that, but yeah, it's just um, I'm stoked to be working with him. So yeah. it's fun. I got to meet him for the first time when we were uh, this past August at the Big Sky. Oh, he really likes beer too, so you might like him even more. Yeah, and we had quite a few pints full of awesome together. It was a grand, grand old time. That dude is hilarious and uh, very well spoken. Strangely enough, like I mean, you just kind of like look at him, you're like, oh, this guy, whatever. Super, super cool dude. Super, super serious. Uh, if you don't know who Rory Sullivan is, definitely go check him out. People are all people are all over the place in the chat room. They're talking about all kinds of crazy stuff. So, you already talked about that. We're going to... I want to know, how hard was it to get this shit into iTunes? Is that like... What the, what's the process with that? How difficult is it? Because I don't know how fun Apple is to work with. It's actually not Apple who we work with. Um... I thought the same thing for a while until the guy 
from who is the sports acquisition manager got a hold of me and said, Hey, you want to do this? And I was like, uh, yeah, <laughs> sure do. Sure do. So, uh, working with the Taylor on, um, on the moto series, I got to know, you know, a couple people. Well, actually in the guy, the guy who's the acquisition manager is one of Taylor's best friends grew up in or went to high school together or whatever. So, um, he kind of reached out to me and we put what if and what is on there. And they didn't really like, I had no expectations whatsoever. And what if did really well. And then what is did even better? And, uh, we're doing, you know, pretty solid right now. Not as good as what is, but, um, there's also a lot of really good movies out there right now on iTunes. So, you know, it's a really competitive market. Um, but I also, this this time around like I didn't last time we like slammed with the advertising and like over a two three weeks span and this time we're kind of like spreading it out a little bit more to see to see what how that does because you could have a hundred you know grade A plus movie but if it's not promoted properly then nobody gets to see it you know so mm-hmm. that's always a little bit of a cat and mouse you get the movie done and then you're like cool I'm done but you're really not you got another month of promoting and following up with, uh, you know, ads and getting reviews out and, you know, just getting the writers to help push and promote it. Um, and that's also where the sponsors come in because they can push it too. So it's been going, it's been going pretty well. I've actually, we've sold a lot of DVDs, which is nice. That's cool. Good to see that people are still buying the the hard copies. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I mean, it's, I'd like to have, Honestly, when movies I buy, I like to have a hard copy and a, a digital download so you can just have it wherever, you know, on your phone, on your computer, you don't have your disc, you know. It's nice just to have – it's nice to have both. So it's good that I, it's good that we offer both of them. It's pretty right, sweet. Yeah, and it, it sucks because you could tell that all the different uh, – all the different hardware manufacturers and media components and stuff, they just don't work well together yet. Like you can get a really good networked system and try to have all your movies on one thing and reach them everywhere, but it's just it's so much money to make that happen, and it's still so privatized that it's not really great yet. It's getting better. I do like the fact now that I can see your movie now that I have it, have it in iTunes on all of my devices, which is neat because it comes up in the purchase the purchase pit, which has got to be good because people can just watch the shit out of it. Um, yep. So. What kind of advice do you have for people that want to try to follow the same path that you have? Like people that, I mean, there there's guys that I know of in Texas that go out to all the races. You know, they're running around with a camera, uh, you know, just above a point and shoot pretty much. Uh, but they, you know, maybe they have an aspiration of in the next five to ten years to try to get to a point where you're at where they can get, you know, they know how to make the right connections, connect to people and make, you know, the right calls and try to maybe produce a movie. Is there any kind of you know, a way to, to talk them through a path like that? Um, well, it's about, you know, building relationships with the writers and who you're working with. And then that translates into working with, you know, their sponsors or whoever. And it's kind of, I mean, making a film there's a lot of risk involved because it takes a lot of time, money, but you know, you got risk, you know, time and money to do things in life. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, you know, for me, I was just very extremely, I I mean, I, 
I still am very fortunate, but I had some really, you know, good opportunities and some people around me that helped me make what I feel like are the right decisions. And back in like 06 and 07, um, when we did right around when we did as the gears turn, you know, I was like, I don't know, 20, 19 or 20 at the time. It's pretty young, you know? And we, we, we did that. And, uh, that was pretty eye-opening because I really wanted to do a movie because I knew that I had the capabilities of doing it, but I just there's things that I I didn't have the capabilities like promoting it and you know building relationships with ships with people and um you know because you're 19 you're young and you're I don't know what you're doing but yeah. you're having too much fun so um. <clears throat> You know, I worked with I, I worked with a couple close friends of mine who are older and uh, helped me out. Um, Kyler Ruskin, he used to film all the work series back in the day, like way back in the day. Um, you know, he had been around, so I got some good in, info from him. And and then uh, this other guy, Seabacky, he was like a family friend of ours. He helped me out with uh, you know, kind of getting the business side of things down and and finding a direction on on keeping the, like cuz it is a business and you are trying to make money but it's also really fun so you you always get caught in the middle about you know not charging enough people enough to do it cuz it's you want to do it cuz it's fun um, right but i think I'll, I'll, <clears throat> you know problem is now is there's so many people not it's not a problem but there's so many people with cameras and and the cameras are so good that, you know, a lot of people do stuff maybe for free or for not that much. And it makes people like, you know, people like me or whoever um, who charge $650 a day to do stuff, you know, quote unquote calling whoring it out is what I like to right. call it. Um, you know, photography is even worse, you know, because anybody can take a photo. Um, and I think it's just about, you know, like, holding higher standards to your work and and um, believe in yourself that your work is worth um, you know worth this worth this amount of money or worth this vision or you know take yourself seriously that's really and I still work on that today I mean I'm still working on that for sure you know yeah. uh, but take your work and what you're doing like seriously and, and be professional about it and things happen you know it's it's amazing the things that do happen and come your way when you do put the time in to uh, to work hard. And I can tell you now, it's not all about the camera. A lot of people get caught up in the camera thing. You know, everyone thinks they need a twenty thousand dollar red, and you don't. I mean, you can buy a twelve hundred dollar DSLR and do crazy good stuff with it. It's amazing what the tool the tools that are out there right now for the price. Um, are way more affordable than they were back when I was doing stuff and like starting out in 06 and 07. <clears throat> cool. Well, that's good to know because I do know, I, I talk to a lot of people and they're just like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, my, my the body camera I've got is not good enough. I need to upgrade it, you know, all this, that. You know, I need that wide-angle lens. And sometimes it's just, you know, knowing that it's like, well, this just is what you back have. 10 feet and you'll get wide enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. It's like, this is the equipment you have. There's no yeah. need to go spend five hundred bucks a thousand dollars maybe just figure out how to make this work the way you want to see it absolutely so figuring sure. out stuff like that we uh we had a good question from the chat room and they wanted to know the the favorite rider that you filmed with in the past 
I mean, it's got to be Kurt, pretty much. In between, I mean, yeah, I'm going to say Kurt just because I've spent so much time working with him. And, like, I've got, like, it's been a great, I, he gave me, like, great opportunities, you know, like, um, and unfortunately, yeah, that, you know, the accident and, and everything. Right. That's a whole other can of worms that, you know. Um, but definitely Kurt Castelli was, like, I mean, because I was super into racing, too, at the time, riding. Um, and just watching him ride and what he can do on a motorcycle is just ridiculous. Like, he was so good at everything he did. And, you know, like, off-road people, they know he's really good, but I don't think anybody else – I mean, not anyone, but, like, outside off-road, like, motocross, supercross, like, that side of the industry, like, he, his talent level and – the way he did things on a dirt bike were just, I mean, it was unbelievable what he could do. Um, and hands down, like as far as he is the best like writer in every discipline. Nobody, nobody could do so many different things that, that he could, and he could do everything so well. And um, just working with him was insane. Like the stuff we would do is just like, he'd just go so fast. And I'd just be like, oh my God, this is ridiculous. <laughs> Why do I have to watch this through a, view, I, a viewfinder? I, I was like, holy shit, you know, half the time I'm scared to death because I'm afraid he's just going to fucking kill me or himself, you know? <laughs> it's like, good God. <laughs> and, yeah. I mean, he was just... But the thing was, he was always in control and never... Uh, never looked... The, the only time I've ever seen him make... Um, a mistake or actually I'm going to say two mistakes and I'm, I've seen him crash like like when he's actually riding like four times seriously I can count one ISDE Mexico 2010 he fell over in a corner and I was like You're, you, you don't do that <laughs> <laughs> and it was really funny because I was staring right there at the camera and he was like gosh darn it <laughs> I was like yeah I got that <laughs> and, then, and then at a uh, X Games LA, I think it was. It was it wasn't last year, but the year before, the one year that he was in it, mm -hmm. we were in practice, and there was this tire like jump, and he fell on the tire jump, like it kicked him really weird, and he like looped out boner air, landed on his feet, and and he's like he comes back and sits in the stands, and we were sitting right next to Kyle Redman, and uh, we were talking about him. I was laughing. It was pretty hysterical. So he goes out for next practice, and he does the same exact thing, <laughs> the same <laughs> thing, right in a row, exact same thing, and he looks back where we were all sitting, I was just like, oh my god, dude, I couldn't even believe it, it was amazing, but yeah, him, hands down was like, just because he could do anything you wanted him to on a dirt bike, and he had ideas too, like, he was like, hey, let's do this, let's do that, like, let's film this, you know, I'm like, cool, cool, I'm, I'm done, you, really, you want to do that, that's pretty gnarly, like, okay, all right, here we go. Yeah, hold yeah. my beer and start the camera, yeah. check. So. <laughs> awesome. Definitely, definitely him. Yeah, um, for sure. Um, What was it? Oh, Jordy uh, wanted to know, were you the one that almost fell out of the truck on As the Gears Turn? No, that was Kyler. That's funny because we were talking about that the other day. Kyle, I was talking to Kyler on the phone. And because <laughs> I don't know, I haven't seen that the credit in a while, but because I think he should have been standing at the front of the truck. And I think Kurt might have said something about that in the movie. I don't know. Because like, he was standing <laughs> at the rear of the truck, 
where the tailgate was, and he hits the gas and almost falls out. <laughs> <laughs> That's Instead, awesome. He should be standing in the front of the truck, so if somebody hits the gas, right. you don't fall out. You go to the tailgate, and that's the pavement. Yeah, and then you don't have to get your teeth replaced. Exactly. <laughs> well, uh, and you guys actually have that on sale right now. Is that correct on your website? I think it was like sixteen ninety five. Yeah, we, you know, we've been uh, we've been selling it on the website on redtidepictures.com and uh, honestly, there's been people buying it the last couple of weeks, and I was kind of expecting that. Um, but I haven't actually watched it in a while. But I'm, I've been wanting to pop it in um, just to check it out because there actually is some really good stuff in there, and there's some really there's some really good writing. Like it's pretty, it's pretty sweet. So, um, and it, you know, honestly, it's just classic to me. You know, it's right. classic. So there's some, there's some things that we, we cut the corners, some some budget things, but like it's we scored with the soundtrack, and um, I think there's a segment in there where we got a super slow motion camera, um, and we shot at like before they were slow-mo you know right. before, now every camera's got slow-mo but this was like it had 240 frames per second up to like a thousand or 1500 and uh we grabbed we shot for a day at a 395 and um uh this camera didn't have a viewfinder or anything you totally guessed what <laughs> you were shooting it was a box with a lens and it was connected <laughs> to a mini laptop and it was broad daylight and sun, so you couldn't even see the screen at all. You couldn't see anything, and you just had to press enter to hit record. So, and, and, <laughs> and the other thing was that it was it was uh, the battery to power it. You had to use a car battery, so we were carrying around like a fifty pound car battery on the track. Oh god, it was pain in the ass. It was a pain in the ass, dude. but it was worth it. <laughs> so it was the red before a red. <laughs> yeah, it was. I don't even know. It was a day rental. Some dude from LA came up and dropped it off oh yeah and then then it didn't work when we first got there and the guy from la was there till like midnight at kurt's house like working on the thing we were trying to figure it out finally got it to finally got it figured out but that, that was pretty that was a pretty funny story i had stories about that movie for days oh my gosh <laughs> we'll have to do a whole other episode just so that we can talk about that well then i'm going to go to the website i'm going to purchase it uh just because definitely support you guys some more um, and I want to see it. I haven't had a chance to watch it, so I've definitely watched all your other movies. Um, is there a scene uh, before we kind of close it up? I wanted to know: is there a scene or you know anything from maybe the newest movie that just stands out that was just super epic that you just were like, "Holy shit! I can't believe that just came together." Um, well, you know, in Rory's part, we filmed up at by Mount Adams and uh, in Washington, and. It was really difficult to get to a couple of shots that we shot him with, and um, a couple of those mountain shots and him ripping on the trail up there. Um, we had to drive like two hours up a freaking five miles switchback dirt road, going five miles an hour, and then we got to that. And we, I had to ride. I was with my uh, my girlfriend Jen, who's also my uh, photographer that I work with. And uh, we rode double for three miles on this like switchback single track road to where I wanted to shoot, <laughs> and I mean it was totally worth it. We got six shots, and but it was gnarly. Like it was, three miles took an hour because you know we each had fifty pounds of camera gear. Yep. And my legs over the front of the shroud, shrouds the bike with big ass backpack on my chest on the front. You know, like yep. trying to see like it's pretty tough. Rory was doing the same thing with his chick, so I, I, it was it was okay. We were we were going at it. 
but yeah, definitely that was like, wow, pretty amazing. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, uh, somebody, uh, Ryan again was asking, were you at Taylor's drop in Utah for Moto Five? I was not there, huh? So did you Although get a call like right after it happened that you were like, holy shit, guess what you just missed out on? <laughs> no, but I did edit that segment. So I I saw everything, like how they were talking about it and uh, how it came about and the five different camera angles that they had. And it was pretty gnarly. Yeah. Definitely one of the gnarliest things um, I've seen on a dirt bike just because the landing was so, like, it was not much. There was not much there, you know? Oh, pretty- yeah. He hit it perfect. If he'd have been too much, like if he'd have been going a little bit slower or a little bit faster, it would have yeah. been much more of a different turnout. <laughs> yeah. Well, luckily everything was all right, so that's good. Yeah, that's because one, Taylor Roberts a badass, and two, Taylor Roberts a badass. So. <laughs> and three, Taylor Roberts a badass. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Well, cool, dude. Well, uh, what what's new? What I mean, what's what's next? What are we looking for from you to see coming up next? I don't know, you know, um, you know, I think off-road essentials is gonna, it's gonna do well. It's gonna catch on. It's a little bit of different. It's a little bit of a different approach, you know, to movie making for me. So we'll see how it gets accepted. I was thinking maybe they're doing like a volume two with a couple of different guys. Um, so we'll we'll see how that goes. But you know, I'm kind of interested in. Um, I know we talked a little bit about the, you know, like the state of off-road and, and that deal. And I'm kind of interested in where the sport's going to go right now because um, the racing's kind of, I'm not going to say it's falling off, but it's, I don't think it's as prevalent as it was a couple years ago. Um, so, you know, and especially after Kurt's deal, like, I think everyone's pretty, uh, just kind of shocked about that as well as I am. And, um, you know, I think what I, my ultimate goal, and I've said this from, you know, since I've been like, whatever, 18, 19, is, you know, I used to be into filming skating. That's all I did, skating, skateboarding, and yeah. surfing, and filming that, and me and my buddies. So what I would like to do is take, like, a Colton, or a Kyle, or a Taylor, or a Cody, or, or whoever, and do, like, just make movies, and do segments of, like, ridiculous stuff like what we did i don't know if you ever saw the you ever see colton haker's thing we did like um with lucas oil it was in february called um ie and it was on it's like there's a commercial of him doing some ridiculous splatter on, oh on the house yeah the house yeah i've seen that yeah there's a full web edit to that that a lot of people haven't seen oh okay wasn't really well promoted properly but right. lucas, that's ridiculous pretty ridiculous stuff in there but so I, my ultimate goal is to take, you know, those guys or people of that who can do weird, crazy shit on a dirt bike and make it so that they don't have to necessarily race to make money. They just work with, you know, me or whoever and do video parts each year like they do in skating, surfing, snowboarding, and every other action sport that there is. And yeah. then the sponsors realize that and be like, okay, we're going to pay you money to do this because this is what – people watch which people see which sells you know dirt bikes or sells whatever yep. so that's you know me that's really what i'd like to do but i kind of right now next project i'm gonna say well i'm working on a um we're gonna do a tribute kirk Caselli tribute video very cool um, 
And it's going to take a little while, probably take a month or two to put together. I know everybody kind of did one, um, you know, but mine's not going to be like rushed. It's going to be, it's going to be legit. I mean, we got some stuff that I just found out today and yesterday I've been working on with a couple of people that it's going to be, it's going to be sick. So we will, uh, that'll probably be the next thing down the pipe for sure. Working on that over the next two months. And then after that, I kind of was thinking maybe, uh, like a state of sport, like, like looking at the state of off road, like there's something on iTunes right now that skating is doing, like just kind of like an overview of the sport. I saw the trailer and I was like, shit, I want to do that with off road. It is sick. Cool. So, couple, you know, my brain's always turning. We'll just see what we can get funding for and see how this movie does and do the Caselli deal and get that where I can, you know, say my words there and then go on from there. Wicked. Well, if you ever need anybody that sucks on a <laughs> dirt bike and showcase how not to do anything, you just come to Texas, buddy, and I'm going to just fill up your vault with crap. <laughs> it's going to be awesomely epic. I would do that, but hard drives cost so much these days that I don't—I can't really afford it. That's okay. How about I'll just shoot a bunch of my shitty riding footage and I'll put it in a Dropbox folder and share it with you. Yeah, max out my Dropbox folder. Let's, let's see it. <laughs> with shitty Sorry. footage at that, it sounds fantastic. Sorry, Max. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Well, dude, tell us where everybody can find you so that they can either go maybe uh, check out trailers if they haven't seen them, maybe purchase some films, things like that, uh, or maybe just follow you on Twitter if that's their. That's their uh, spot of, of love. Yeah, you know, definitely. We just launched a new uh, redtidepictures.com, and that's the new – that website's got pretty much everything. You know, you can get – you can check out the trailers for As the Gears Turn, What If, What Is, buy DVDs from there. The iTunes links are directly on that site, so you can just go to redtidepictures.com and then, you know, check it out. Just scroll around and see what you like or you don't like and. You know, if you want to buy something, if you don't, you know, carry on. But, um, you know, I'm actually not, I don't, I, I don't, I'm personally not on Twitter and I am not a Facebook user anymore. I, I, uh, I got rid of the Facebook because I was thinking, sucking my time. I realized yeah. that. But, um, we're on Instagram. I'm pretty stoked on Instagram right now. Um, you can follow us at, you know, at Red Tide Pictures. And then I am at, WTW one, I believe, because my initials are WTW, so I just went Dub T Dub. <laughs> I see what you did there. That's clever. But, yeah, that's so, fun. Um, but yeah, check out RedTypePictures.com, and you know, we'll. Uh, the site's pretty looking. The site looks sick right now. I'm stoked with it. So. Oh, I, I think it looks really good, and it's actually responsive as well. Yeah, yeah, that's so. the. Uh, that was a lot of work too. I bet. I know. That's what I do for a living. So yes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, you know all about it. Now. Absolutely. Well, cool, dude. Really appreciate you coming on the show, getting a chance to talk about your new show, uh, a new movie, Off Road Essentials, and it's it's good to catch up too and kind of talk about some of the past stuff. I know there's a lot of people that are catching what you're putting out there, uh, respect what you do, and kind of figuring out, hey, how can I maybe you know get in there and do a little bit of that? So it's good to kind of that you were able to talk to that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like I said, just people who are, you know, looking to do filming and, and kind of take up that avenue. Like I said, most important thing is taking yourself seriously and knowing and believing in yourself that you can do this and taking time. You know, things take time to, to it takes time to, you know, master a corner or it takes time to, 
you know, focus on a certain object, whether you're filming or shooting a photo or whatever. So enjoy, enjoy the process. Cause when you get there, you're like, Oh, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, Oh, I missed it all. <laughs> yeah. Wicked. So. Cool dude. Thanks. And uh, enjoy California. Keep having fun. Go back to hood every now and again, I guess. And uh, send me pictures so I can be really jealous. Absolutely. And sorry for being, getting my time zones all screwed up. That's but. okay. Checks in the mail, buddy. <laughs> Sweet, all that GoPro footage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, dude, take it easy. All right, sounds good. Thanks. Later. Man. No worries, man. So all wrapping right. it up with Mr. Wiley Watson. Uh, again, I really did enjoy uh, the new movie, Off-Road Essentials. It looked awesome. Um, I can't wait to keep watching it because that way I get to do a good chance to have a to put out a really good review on it and talk about all the different sections. Um, of course, so seat time, we've got one more uh, big old sponsor to thank for being on the show, and that is the guys from Fast Company. Um, if you have no idea who they are, you can check them out at fastco.com. Um, but big thing is uh, Flex Handlebars and their adjustable spoke torque wrench. Um, I run the Flex Bars, and I do have my adjustable spork, spoke. I keep saying spork. Spork. Spork wrench. Spoke torque wrench on the way um, because, one, I hate just taking a, a tool and kind of dinging around on my spokes trying to see if it sounds like it might be the same tension because I'm, it's not a drum. That's not that's how you tune a drum. It's not how you true a wheel. Um, so or keep it, you know, to the, the the proper torque specifications that's in your manual. That's what I'm looking for, buddy. And I can do that with this adjustable spoke torque wrench. Very much looking forward to that. Of course, the flex handlebars. What's good about those guys? Um, they, they take away all the vibrations. Uh, obviously, with the shoulder surgery, that was the main reason why I went ahead and got myself a pair. Um, and it's been a blessing, and it's been really fun to work with those guys. Uh, Skyler Howes, who, who is a big Heron Hound rider, is also their ergo support guy. So I've been on the phone with him talking about different setup, different support, how to kind of work my way into, um, you know, they come with Red Red as the elastomers on there, and you can work your way down. Um, it's neat because I can call him. I've got his cell number. Be like, hey, dude, this, that, the other. He can talk me through it. We could try out a bunch of different setups, and we can – it's neat because of how – Easy, easily accessible they are. So please go check them out at fastco.com. Of course, I even have a number for you if you would like to call them at 877-306-1801. Um, tell them that the guys from Seat Time sent you over because you love us, you love them, and you want to have a good time. So this has been episode 110. Uh, we haven't had technical difficulties in a while, um, and I can't say that we really had a technical difficulty at this episode, but we did have a gentleman who was supposed to be on the show a little late. It happens, if you will. Uh, Mr. Forrest Gump has told us that all the time. But, uh, hey, we just keep going, man. Zach Udy was nice enough to come back on really quick, talk us through it until uh, Wiley came on. So this has been Episode 110. This is Seat Time. So with Seat Time, you can find us on our website. It's seattime.co. We archive all of our sites there uh, and all the fun videos that we do. You can check them out there. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash seat time. If you'd like to find and follow us and like us there. We're on Twitter, twitter.com. It is seat time underscore CO is the username. Of course, we are on Instagram. It is seat time. And we're on YouTube, seat time CO. You can find us, follow us, like us, love us in all of those places. We definitely really appreciate your support. Um, as I always like to say, I want you to remember to enjoy a pint full of awesome and Ryan Kudla, we're going to try to make this one less awkward for you. Peace.